Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Astle. Hey, thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trowel today. Uh, we are very excited about this podcast. Tom, especially because he has a fellow Texan on the line. <laughs> That's right. A, a transplanted Texan, but nevertheless, a Texan. Uh, we have Dr. Bart Barber with us. Bart is the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Farmersville, Texas. So, Bart, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, I understand that you, uh, you're actually from Arkansas. I picked that up conversation watching you online a little uh-oh, bit. Uh-oh, but but is... you've kind of gotten over that, haven't you, in your time in Texas? So. Well, I just finished 20 years here at FBC Farmersville, and uh, in commemoration of that, the church gave me a pair of cowboy boots. Oh, well, there you go. I was Texan now, it, so it's I guess, official. I suppose. Yeah, that's great. Bart uh, went... Don't have a hat yet, though. <laughs> well, maybe the, the, the next 20 years, on your 40th, you'll get the hat, right? <laughs> I guess so. You know, and, and on your 40th anniversary at First Farmersville, you'll be like, what, 50 years old or something? I mean, didn't you start pastoring when you were a teenager? I did start when I was a teenager. I didn't start here when I was a <laughs> yeah. teenager, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm uh, starting here young enough. I was 29. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. And you also went to Southwestern Seminary. That's my alma mater, did an MDiv and a PhD there, and your PhD was in history, right? That's correct. Yeah. And you blog at, uh, not as actively as you used to, but at Praise God Barebones blog, right? I do, uh, <laughs> on occasion, when the spirit moves. Okay, well, man, i got to tell you, that's my all-time favorite name of blogs, and a lot of people don't know about Praise God Barebones, that he was a real person. Um, so how in the world did you settle on using him well, he was a Puritan, English Puritan. How in the world did you settle on using him for your name of your blog? Oh, half of it was just because the name was cool, <laughs> really. Uh, he, uh, I, I was just wrapping up. I just finished uh, my uh, my dissertation when I started uh, putting this blog together. And um, he uh, not only was it just the kind of name that you could only get from that group of people at that period of time, uh, his brother's name was even better, but uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about his brother. Uh, Mikhail, okay. <laughs> now it was as if Jesus had not died for thee, thou shouldst yeah, have been yeah. damned. Bare bones, is that right? That was that was his name. Yeah. What about his nickname? Christ had not died for thee, thou should be damned. They called him the damn Doctor Barebones. <laughs> what they called him? Well, you but, chose the uh, better brother, I think. I, I think so. Um, <laughs> But Praise God Barebones was not only a, a Puritan and a preacher, but he was also a member of Parliament uh, under under Cromwell. Uh, in fact, they uh, they called it the Barebones Par- Parliament after him. Uh, people who were unhappy with that. And at the time in 2006, uh, I was interested in writing about uh, Baptist heritage and about Southern Baptist Convention but also to some degree about politics. Uh, my dad had worked in politics when I was younger. And um, and, and so Praise God Barebones represents somebody who sort of sat at the juncture of uh, politics and faith. And uh, so, so I chose that name for the blog. Well, it's memorable. Yeah, well, very good. Well, it served well. And we appreciate some things you've written recently that brings us to the CARES Act that has been passed in this $2 trillion plus um, bailout and that has all kinds of things in it, part of which are 
uh, loans that are forgivable, that are accessible to nonprofits and to churches. And so uh, you, you've written a couple of posts on that, issuing uh, your own perspective and some cautions. You, you said that you're not going to lead First Baptist Farmersville into applying for loans under that act. Can you, can you just uh, give us a real quick summary of your thinking on that? Sure. Be happy to. Um, you're correct. I'm, I'm not leading the church to do that. I have good reason to believe that the church in the end will follow that leadership, although congregational polity has been uh, surprising <laughs> affected somewhat by, by not being able to gather. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I have a pretty good uh, grasp of the sentiment of the congregation on this, and I think they're going to follow me. My reasons for this are... Uh, I think it's easy to to summarize. Uh, one, uh, government funding is not the way we fund churches. Uh, that we have a we have a better way of funding churches through uh, the 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 power of God, uh, prospering the the membership of the church uh, enough for uh, the the people of God to be faithful in giving. And uh, and then for the church to, um, to to use those gifts and seek God's blessings over those gifts to be able to fund ministry, um, that is our that's our way of funding ministry here at FBC Farmersville, and it works, and we're committed to it. And so we don't look for funding outside of uh, outside of that plan. Uh, secondly, I think um, this is something that. Um, that the Baptist, in particular, as a, as a student of Baptist history, and, and people throughout the free church tradition, um, have had we've had a default answer of no mm. for taking money from the government, and uh, that was that was good reason. Uh, uh, it's it's not just reflexive. Uh, I, I want to James Dobson say about students of teenagers that. Uh, uh, you know, they don't know what they want their teenagers to do. They just know they're not doing it. <laughs> you have kind of, a, kind of a default answer of no uh, without it's a thoughtless no. Uh, sometimes parents can be guilty of doing that. This is not a thoughtless no. Uh, it's, a, it's a no that arises out of prior bad experience with the involvement of government in the funding of churches and with what happens to churches when they become dependent upon government funding. Mm. And um, so uh, seeing that in our history, uh, knowing some of the reasons behind that, knowing some of the specific people who advocated uh, for a a greater uh, distance uh, between church funding and government, uh, we need to to, to view it from that historical perspective. And uh, then also, I think, uh, not just about the past, but also about the present. Um, I use the example of, of Abram uh, refusing to take money from the king of Sodom uh, in Genesis 14. Uh, a lot of people were quick to point out that we know there are times in the Bible when people did accept money from Cyrus or uh, from, from other uh, nations, uh, Solomon. Uh, receiving uh, gifts toward the temple. Um, there are times when people did receive money from the government. Um, 
don't think any Old Testament narrative is prescriptive for us as New Testament Christians, but I think what that Abram narrative with the King of Sodom does is just to point out to us that sometimes it's wise to consider what the people who are giving the money may think when they're giving it. Mm -hmm. And um, Abram wisely considered that and said to the king of Sodom, I don't want you to think that you're the one who enriched me. That's going to uh, remove from the glory that would go to God because I have a sense of what ideas you're going to have whenever, if I allow you to enrich me with, with these gifts. And um, I think that in our present circumstance, in our culture, with our populace, some of the sentiments that we already hear from people, uh, even about things just like tax exemption for churches, um, I, I think that I think that there's a strong likelihood that people in our society who don't know the Lord and who haven't received the gospel um, are are not going to react well to the idea that churches are receiving government assistance. And it's not going to be something that brings glory to God, and it's not going to be something that advances the mission of the church um, because of the way that other people might react to it. People have to look at the Old Testament and ask, is, is our society more like the king of Sodom or more like uh, a uh, more, more like Cyrus uh, excited about giving his blessing on the people of God to rebuild uh, Jerusalem, yeah, and so Bart, for all of those reasons, we just we're not going to do it here. You you seem to express that Bart well, and I think it might have been the follow up to your original post. You uh, you used language like in a post Christian society or a post Christian culture, um, and then you delineated some of the implications of that. So. I think that would be very helpful for people to think about something you've identified there. What what do you mean when you say that we are a post-Christian society, and then what are some of the implications of that post-Christian society for this whole CARES Act situation? Well, uh, it's always a, a, a bit of a difficult thing to try to identify how many people are sincere in their affirmation of the Lord? How many are, are, are insincere? I know a lot of people would, would point to the past and say, do we really know how Christian the nation ever was? But certainly, statistically, we can, we can look at the present moment and say that, uh, that the number of people who even make any claim toward any affiliation with Christianity has gone down significantly over the course of my lifetime. And um, and certainly if you go back over the course of the history of the Republic, uh, early in the life of this country, uh, most people affirmed, even if it were brands of Christianity like Unitarianism, that I would point to and say, well, that's not really Christianity. Uh, most people affirmed some sort of Christianity. Uh, but we've had the rise of the nuns, uh, not not women in habits, but uh, people who, who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. Uh, and um, but I think beyond just mere demographics, uh, the um, the the aggressiveness of an antipathy toward Christianity and Christian history and Christian institutions uh, and 
and he's influenced our country today. Um, that 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 has increased significantly, and so you have a a vocal uh, opposition to churches like ours uh, in many uh, of the of places like Washington D.C. and New York City, and, and places that uh, that will be keenly aware of the terms of this legislation and keenly aware of the nature of the recipient. You know, it's interesting to me, Bart, uh, when I read your articles and then watched some of the pushback you received online, and even as you just mentioned it now, uh, your view seems to me to be pretty mainstream Baptist thinking on these issues, you know, at least the way I've understood how Baptists have regarded uh, separation church and state and religious liberty and uh, concerns about uh, government staying in its sphere and the church staying in its sphere, and, and yet... I, it almost sounds like that's a minority position today, not just among evangelicals broadly, but among Baptists. I mean, did you get that sense as well, or, or you, am I just misreading that? Well, um, I've learned not to judge the majority of the populace based on what happens on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I will say that there were there were a lot of people, a lot of friends, yeah. who, uh, who took a different point of view uh, from from mine. I, I published what I published, first of all, very carefully well, saying this is the conclusion I've reached, and I'm not bearing judgment over anyone else. I just want to offer this point of view for people who are trying to think it through. Several people appreciated that. That it, you know, I was struggling with what to do. I appreciated sure. what you wrote to give me this perspective to think through, but. Um, even though multiple people had already said, uh, here's why you should do this. And in fact, I've gotten an, an email from my local association, that, that, uh, which I may mention later, uh, that, uh, that was encouraging churches here to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and in spite of the fact that when I wrote my article, I felt like I was the lone voice crying in the wilderness. Yeah. You know, the one person saying something different. So a lot of people did. Feel like they needed to respond. Needed to respond quickly. Needed to needed to respond uh, at uh, uh, at points of difference with what I said, uh, and that was a little bit surprising to me because, like you, I think the point of view that I articulated is the point of view that Baptists have championed for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there have been some ways that people have pointed out things that they think make this make this situation different from some of the things that we've talked about in the past, but uh, I'm not sure that it is as different as some people think it is. Yeah, I, I appreciate the, the ironic tone of both your articles and even when you responded to that second one to uh, some of the, the unjustified criticism. I mean, you, you were very careful to say this is what we're doing. We're not saying this is what you must do or shouldn't do. If you don't do it this way, then you're you know, not Christian. I mean, you, were, you were very, very gracious and careful in that. But nevertheless, it just seemed like there were some who were offended uh, by that. And, and um, I'm, again, I'm wondering, what is that saying to us? I, like the, the arguments have been used. Well, you, you know, if your church catches on fire, you're going to call the fire department. And the fire department is paid by taxes, and so they're going to put out the fire, and you're benefiting from taxes in that way. This taking a loan under the CARES Act is no different than that. 
I mean, do you, there, but there is a real difference between those two scenarios, right? Sure, absolutely. Uh, cities have fire departments because if your house catches on fire, the house next to it's in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get to opt in or opt out of fire department protection in your city. Uh, you don't apply for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a key difference right there that you can see. You have to apply for this, which means right. you, have to say, you have to say, not everyone will get this, but we want to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so that's not the heart of the difference, Tom, but it's, it's, a, it's a pointer that shows you that these things are, are different. Um, some of these basic services that cities offer, police protection, fire protection, roads, uh, city water services. Uh, these, these are things that, although individual businesses or nonprofits or, or families may benefit from these things, uh, communities have put them in place in order to benefit the entire community. Uh, and they put them in place in such a way that, uh, you know, police protection, uh, you really don't have an option. Uh, if you're going to live in the city, you're going to be under the jurisdiction of the city police force. Yeah. Um, Bart, you've used the word protection there a number of times as you delineated the different um, dimensions there. And I, when I saw that argument about this being compared to the fire department, I thought we're dealing with an issue of understanding the civil magistrate, Romans 13, what's the role? And that mm-hmm. role is to punish the evildoer um, and so and to protect. I mean, the civil government's there to protect. So I thought yeah, the reward fire, those who do well. Yeah, yeah. in a fire, you're protecting against fire. Well, in this situation, you know, how do you bring it over? What are you protecting against? And uh, some of the challenges, it's it's many governments in many um, localities right now that, that are saying churches can't meet. So mm-hmm. so they're overreaching and saying you can't meet. Mm-hmm. And now that you're in this situation where um, things are going to get harder and they're overreaching in certain ways saying people can't work, well, now that we've put you in this situation, let us protect you from us <laughs> that that doesn't really work that way right like you let me, let me give you two trillion dollars and then i want you to pay it back with some interest down the road and i'm going to protect you uh, or not and we'll uh, just give it to you <laughs> well yeah but your grandchildren will pay for it. exactly somebody's going to end up paying for it so i bart your article is so refreshing in in, in some ways it was um ominous you know it's telling that you're seeing something about this post-Christian society that you're saying, you know, I know the king's give, putting some meat on the table, but I don't know if I want to eat that king's meat. Uh, if you eat right. the king's meat, you become the king's man. And we're dealing with a with a society that slaughters uh, hundreds of thousands yeah. of children in the womb and is now saying, here, let us help you out, church. I mean, there's just, you seem to tap into something there that um, some are not, seen quite as clearly so it was very helpful i think the thing i would want people to see maybe as much as anything else the point i made in the uh, in the blog post that uh that it needs to be heard uh i'm i'm thankful for the efforts that uh uh that, that you know lc made and other people made to to make sure that government didn't have explicit strings attached to this and in fact they disavowed the idea that they would come back and impose anything on churches who, who took these loans. Uh, but um, really, uh, alongside the bad history of what government has done to churches when government gets too involved in religious life, 
that's a bad, bad history. But alongside that is also the history of what churches have done to churches when they've gotten too involved uh, in, uh, in, in a financial dependence or, or, or a dependence for power uh, upon government. And um, I think there, there, is, uh, a, um, there is a degree to which we need to be cautious about our entanglement with the secular order um, simply because uh, we will um, we will lose sight of our soul dependence upon God and, um, and and whether we know that we're doing this or not we'll start to advance to the tune that's being placed by the culture because uh, we're thinking uh, well you know we need yeah. the approval of whatever, you know, city government or the local school district or the federal government or the state or the county, we need a good relationship with them because they come bail us out when we get into difficult circumstances. And uh, apart from any formal strings attached, the the way that that can affect uh, just lay leadership and, and, and pastoral leadership in a church when those ideas get into our hearts, I think it's something that we have to be I agree with that. And I think you've touched on maybe one of the the main concern, perhaps for me. Uh, I've heard pastors and and some other church members uh, in different places express their concerns like this. If we don't do this, then our church is going to go under. If we don't do this, Mm -hmm. we're not sure we're going to make it. So what would, you, mm-hmm. what would you say to, uh, uh, you know, I mean, these are real situations, and, man, I don't want to be hard-hearted about that, but what would you say to, to Christians who are fearful uh, along those lines? They don't want to see their church go under. I, I think uh, it's admirable to care about your church, but uh, one of the benefits of being at a church, first I had Farmersville, has been here for 155 years is the ability to look back and to say, the Church of Jesus Christ has seen worse before Mm. Mm -hmm. and has not gone under. And in fact, some of those times are the times that taught us the most Mm. about the power and the glory of God. When we waited and depended upon Him, Um, this church, a quick story about this church, a, a way that First Baptist Farmersville was was entangled in one of the darkest moments uh, in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, we, right before the Great Depression, uh, during the Roaring Twenties, uh, we uh, we sought for churches to pledge seventy five million dollars. This is a precursor to the cooperative program. Uh, it's called the seventy five million campaign. Uh, sought to to pledge that money toward a combined budget. We've never had this before to, to help all of our schools and the mission boards and, and, and the whole enchilada. And um, churches pledged $92 million instead of 75 But these were pledges. <laughs> and then came the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression. And some of our institutions had borrowed money against those pledges. And, um, and then the pledges weren't coming in. And it was a very, very frightening time for Southern Baptist. Uh, some other things happened. We had scandals in a couple of our entities. Uh, people made off with, they stole money from our mission board. Very difficult time. And um, some of the leaders of the 75 million campaign, as they were going around trying to collect up 
uh, what what the church is owed. They came here at First Baptist Farmers, and we were behind. And um, a member of our church, while they were having uh, a rally here, left at the beginning of it and went down a few steps away and sold a piece of jewelry that he had had in his family and brought the proceeds of that and paid off the uh, the remainder of what this church pledged mm. so that we would meet our pledge in the $75 million campaign. Mm. And nobody expected that. Mm. Nobody, nobody knew that he was contemplating doing that. And in times of difficulty, God can move his people to do the unexpected. And those become stories of the glory and goodness of God that endures almost a hundred years ago that that happened. And I still know that story. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think this kind of thing, I understand the fear and the worry and the concern, but I think this kind of thing can be also an opportunity and a moment when if we, if we place our trust fully in God and depend upon him, God can do things that you'll remember for the rest of your life to protect Because ultimately, the church is his church. That's right. Not ours. Yeah, Christ said, I will build my church. And um, hopefully that will continue to happen at First Baptist Farmersville and here at Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral and other local congregations. But we know that even if local churches go out of existence, the kingdom of God goes on and the church of Jesus Christ will continue on. And it really is Amen. a question of faith. And I know there are people who can apply for these loans, other loans, and they can do so trusting God, not the government. And so I don't want to suggest that that's impossible. But the entanglements and the temptations are huge. And so I would say to my fellow pastors, brothers, if you're going to lead a church to do this, do it with your eyes wide open and recognize mm-hmm. historically uh, some of the things you referred to and biblically the warnings we have. Uh, and make sure that we're not transferring our confidence from Christ, whose church it is, to the government who says, here, we can help you. Yes, and go read Bart's article. We can probably put that in our show notes so people can access that. And Bart, thanks so much for joining us here on The Sword and the Trial today. It's been very beneficial. Great to hear your analysis of the situation. We hope that things are going out there, uh, going well out there in Texas. Tom is quite covetous of um of your land no 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 i've got a passport man i'm good uh, <laughs> yeah it's well, great to have you with us today you guys come up sometime and we'll give you some real facts back <laughs> oh there you go that'd be good hey thanks again for listening yeah, to the thanks. sword and the trowel uh thanks to our uh founders alliance members we are grateful for your continued support as we labor on trying to produce as much content as we can especially during quarantine so do watch we're going to continue to have resources coming out uh we're so grateful to have you with us today